Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, my guests are Karen and Scott Duvall, who are some of our gold loopers. And the topic we'll be discussing is cruising to and in the Bahamas, which on this January day, I'm sure most of us wish that's where we were. Before I officially introduce Karen and Scott, I want to take just a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral level sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Beneteau, Curtis Stokes and Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. Karen and Scott Duvall, thank you for joining me today. Yes, good morning. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. We're very glad to have you because uh, the Bahamas is a hot topic right now. A lot of loopers are headed that way, or some are already there. And we'll be spending perhaps the next month or two in the Bahamas. So we want to hear a lot about that. But start off, for those of our listeners who don't know you already, tell us a little bit about your Great Loop trip, your boat, when you did the loop, and and how much time and when you went to the Bahamas during that experience. We did our Great Loop uh, 2016-17, and we were on a 390 main ship. And we really, um, it was a great boat. We did the um, the Bahamas in February of 2017, and um, we did the crossing, which went really well, and we planned to go there for about two to three weeks, and after six weeks, we decided, oh boy, we better go home. <laughs> we <had> to- <laughs> it, was, it was, needless to say, uh, we enjoyed the Bahamas a lot. Yes. So you mentioned the crossing, and I think that's probably the the biggest concern for loopers who are considering the Bahamas. Um, And of course, many of them will have already crossed the Gulf at that point. And the Bahamas, as I understand it, is actually a shorter distance. But of course, some preparations are going to be needed to think about going to the Bahamas. So uh, Scott, what do most loopers need to do to do that preparation and be ready to go? Okay. uh, The First thing I do is is go to myoutislands.com. That's myoutislands.com. That's the uh, Bahamian site that uh, tells you all about entry into the Bahamas. Uh, there's the forms are there. You can print them out, and I would recommend you have them pre-filled out before you even get to the Bahamas as much as you can. Anyways, um, there's a cost if your boat is less than 35 foot. It's $150. If it's 35 foot or greater, it's $300. That cost also includes your cruising permit and a fishing license for the boat, not per person, but as, as the boat, it covers that. Um, it also covers up to, I believe it is three people for exiting. There is a exit cost, that's covered in that. Um, also, information about pets. We didn't have to deal with pets when we went. We know a number of people that did. There's, and it can be done very easily. You just have to follow the rules and uh, make sure you have the, the paperwork and everything filled out in advance. I would recommend your entry fee. Bring cash. That's just easier for them. I don't know if they charge a, a, a premium, you know, on top if you 
try with credit card. I'm not even sure if they uh, accept credit cards. We just mm -hmm. used cash. We'd, we'd heard that recommendation and that worked out well for us. And you can bring U.S. cash. You don't need to bring Bahama currency. That's good to know. That was actually going to be my next question when Scott mentioned mm -hmm. that. Um, Scott or Karen, how long do you have in the Bahamas? Once you've done all that paperwork, um, does that cover you for a certain amount of time? You, you up to 90 days on your original permit, and I do believe you can extend that. you, you got to go in before it expires to extend it. Otherwise, it's a, kind of a big deal. But I believe okay. the normal cruising permit is up to 90 days. And I would just get the 90 days, then you're not worried about, you know, if you only say 30 days and you want to stay longer, that's it. You have to go in and get that renewed then. Right. So a lot of loopers are spending some time in the Keys and maybe heading to the Bahamas as kind of a next stop. Some are still on the west coast of Florida, perhaps going to come through the Okeechobee waterway towards Stewart. What are some of the popular kind of spots on the east coast to jump off and head over for the Bahamas to have an easy crossing? Um, you, you can cross anywhere from the, the Keys on up to typically about Fort Worth. Uh, generally, you want to start south of the your landing point in the Bahamas if you're going to West End or Bimini. Um, you, you start south just because of the Gulf Stream. It uh, It's about a two-knot current that you're going to have to plan for in your crossing. You might as well use that to help you move you along instead of fighting it. So if you're headed for West End, let's use an, as, as, an, as an example, what's kind of a typical spot that people are leaving from? Fort Worth is a, a very common place, or just south of that is, uh, oh, I'm not prepared. I should have this out right now. Uh, no, no problem. Um, base, but basically anywhere kind of in that south Florida area that you're looking to head across. And, of course, probably one of the things for some people that's going to determine where they jump off from um, might be how much there is to do because you, you could be waiting for a weather window. So what resources do you recommend to determine, determine when it is a good time to cross based on the weather? Uh, one of the interesting things is, uh, I believe, at least in the Miami area, the local weather TV stations uh, provide crossing weather. Um, that's one resource. Um, Mars Weather Service is Blue Reports, mm -hmm. um, which uh, most people in the AGLC are familiar with. Uh, gives uh, uh, some good information for there. Also on his site, there's a, a couple of links. Uh, one is to um, for the information on pets. There's a link the, for the uh, Bahamas for entering with pets and. Also, a small vessel recording system, if you're using that system to go over there. Another great weather resource is uh, the Marine Weather Center, and that's by Chris Parker. He does uh, subscriptions, and you can get daily weather reports from him by email. Uh, I've also heard, and, and I have not used him, um, you can send an email to him with questions regarding a crossing, crossing day, that sort of thing. Probably the, the biggest thing to remember, and you'll hear this said time and time again, is don't go if there's any northerly component to the wind and wind it much at all out of the north because that blows against the Gulf current and creates steep, choppy waves. 
Right. So, and that's absolutely right. And so patience is going to be the key here, just like it is when you're crossing the Gulf. Um, Chris Parker's Marine Weather Service is a great resource if it's something you're, you're particularly worried about. He does a great job. He actually will customize his report based on your boat, uh, you know, where you are and where you're wanting to get to. So he's a great resource that a lot of uh, blue water cruisers use all the time um, to, to make sure that they have weather specific to their plans. So thank you for mentioning that because I think that's that's a great resource. So when you mm-hmm. went, um, where did you leave from and where did you land in the Bahamas? We actually left out of Miami and went to um, West End, Old Bahama Bay. Mm-hmm. It was uh, I about a 95-mile crossing, uh, a little farther south than we might have otherwise, but we had a good weather window and we had the time. Mm-hmm. We had a very, very nice crossing that day. If, if you remember, how many hours did it take? Because you were in a boat that's pretty popular for the Great Loop, but it's also you're probably traveling for the most part trawler speed like many loopers are. So in a boat mm-hmm. like your 390 main ship, how long did the crossing take you? That crossing, I believe, was about 10, 11 hours, something mm-hmm. like that. Okay, um, so obviously mm-hmm. very doable in, a, in daylight. Yes. Oh, yes. Definitely a daylight crossing. We got there in time to uh, check in um, right before the uh, customs office closed. We got there mm-hmm. just in the nick of time, probably half hour or so before they closed. So when you did arrive, you have already mentioned the paperwork you can do ahead of time. So what was that process like? I think some people get a little bit nervous checking into a foreign country in a different method than showing up at the airport. So t- talk to us a little bit about what happened when you arrived. Oh, it was it was great. Yeah, we parked, uh, we docked right in front of the customs office. Um, we we actually contacted the marina. And they're the ones that, you know, explained, yeah, just pull right up in front of the, it's just past their fuel docks. Um, only the captain is allowed to get off the boat and go check in. Uh, they were very courteous, um, friendly, professional. Uh, I think having the forms pre-filled out and the, the money in cash and our passports, everything all, all set to go uh, helped out. It was a, probably a 15, 20 minute process. Just took a little longer maybe just because there were a couple other boaters that were checking in. Um, remember, they, they, they want you there. Uh, you're a big part of their economy, and, but they do want you to follow their rules. That's, that's all. Sure. So just out of curiosity for those that may take a little bit longer to cross, uh, what would have happened had you arrived a little bit later and they had been closed? Are you able to just wait there till the next morning? Um, yes, I believe you're allowed to wait till the next morning. Uh, on holidays and weekends, there's a, a number you can call, and they are on call for that. But I believe I would check with the marina; they're they're more familiar with that. Um, mm-hmm. Not not sure. We just made sure we were there on time. Mm-hmm. And what what marina is it that's there where you checked in? That is. Like I said, it's in Old Bahama Bay. Okay. It is called. We Old Bahama. Nice. The, uh, okay. It is Old Bahama Bay. Marina at Old Bahama Bay. Great. Yeah. Um, one more question, kind of on the planning and, and logistics side of it. Um, how easy is it to provision once you get there, or should you take care of a lot of that while you're still in the U.S.? A little bit of a loaded question. Um, mm-hmm. There is 
provisions there. However, we do recommend that you stock up on some items before you go. Uh, first of all, there's there used to be a problem with water, getting water over in the Bahamas, but that is no longer the case. Water is readily available, so that is not a concern. And But you will pay for the water. And uh, fuel, fuels at all the marinas, um, so I'm, I, that's not a problem either. Now, as far as food, I would definitely try to plan on taking as much meat as you can possibly fit in your freezer and um, foods that you are maybe a little persnickety about because they may not have the same brands that they won't have the same brands and things over there. And um, on Marsh Harbor, there is a large grocery store which you can get to using your VHF radio to get a taxi to go there. Very interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of unique. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's how you get there. And um, that's a nice big grocery store. It has just about everything you would want. Um, but on the out islands, on the inhabited islands that have little towns and stuff, you're going to find small grocery stores. Those are going to be about what our convenience stores are. They don't have a lot, and it depends upon if you're there on the day that they get their, um, the boat comes with their supplies, uh, uh, what's available. So um, I would say keep your boat relatively stocked. Um, and don't don't rely on those small out islands to get a large grocery supply. Not only do they have a minimal amount, but they also are um, all the all the food over there is rather expensive. Um, however, don't be afraid to spend a dollar over there. These are poor people, and they definitely can use some of our commerce. So that's another thing. First, visioning before you go. Um, like I said, meat was a big thing. Uh, beer is very expensive over there. We've heard it's like $70 a case. So wow. you definitely want to provision for your alcohol and bring that with you. Um, and bring your normal foods that you like to eat. If you, especially dry goods, you know, if you like a certain kind of rice um, mix or something. Um, and then the other thing to bring would be, like, for instance, if you think you might want to snorkel and you might want to bring your fins and snorkel or fishing gear, if you think you might want to fish over there, fishing's a lot of fun. You'll catch lots of fish over there. Bring that stuff with you because it's not readily available. And when you do find it, it's really expensive. So um, those are things to bring as well. Okay, perfect. Um, we're going to take a quick break to play a message from one of our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to switch from kind of the getting there and the planning and the logistics to talk a little bit more about what it's really like to get to spend an extended amount of time in the Bahamas. So we'll be back in a moment. The new MJM-50Z is the most technologically advanced production motor yacht available. First worldwide to incorporate a Seakeeper gyro stabilizer as standard equipment to virtually eliminate roll in waves underway or at anchor. And in June 2015, the first to include fully opening power windshields for control of fresh airflow. MJMs are unique in the industry, built of environmentally clean, stronger and lighter epoxy compo composites in the USA. Owner benefits are significant, a smaller carbon footprint with 50 to 100% better fuel efficiency, a top speed with optional triple IPS 600s of 40 knots and crews of 35 knots, 
a more responsive, enjoyable driving experience, and greater safety offshore. For more information, visit them on the web at www.mjmyachts.com. We're back on Great Loop Radio. Today my guests are Karen and Scott Duvall, and they are Gold Loopers who are sharing with us some of the details of visiting the Bahamas as part of your Great Loop. It's a wonderful side trip and a great time of the year to go is, of course, January and February. So we're going to start talking a little bit about the types of things Scott and Karen got to do while they were in the Bahamas and what life was like there. So let's start off, you know, tell us a little bit of what areas of the Bahamas or what ports you visited, um, what were some of the highlights of the places for you? Well, first of all, we primarily did the Abacos. Um, keep in mind that the Exumas, there's other places to go, but so we're going to kind of focus on the Abacos because that's where we were. Um, we went to Green Turtle Bay, which is probably one of the most popular um, stops because it's the first marina you're going to come to after your crossing and a couple of days of travel to get to those out islands where everything is you want to see. Um, there's a lot to do at Green Turtle. There's a little town called New Plymouth Settlement, and you can either walk there or take your dinghy there. And that is the true Bahama little town. And um, you're not going to find a bunch of cars running around. It's, it's all by foot traffic. Um, fun little Fun fact is that's where supposedly the Goombay Smash, which is a drink, um, it's very popular down there, was um, invented by an elderly woman in one of the little stores there. And one of my favorite things that we did from that port was we took the dinghy over to No Name Key, which is where you'll find the Bahama wild pigs and you can feed them. Mm -hmm. um, I, I took fruits and vegetables and um, I tell you what, they were not as happy with me as the people that had cookies. <laughs> <laughs> but you were giving the pigs some healthy food, so that's important. <laughs> yeah. um, we also went to Great Guana um, Key, and that's where you're going to find Nippers, the very popular beach um, restaurant and kind of party place. And there's uh, lots of other things, beautiful beach there. And um, we also stopped at Man of War. Manowar is a little community where you're going to find Aubrey Boat Shop, and um, it was very interesting. We went to a boat boating school in Michigan and found that they were building one of the Aubrey boats there. So I thought that was interesting that this yeah. little tiny shop on an island was there. Um, and there's another little shop there that makes bags and purses, and so again, try to accommodate or buy something there so that it can help their economy. And then probably one of our favorite ports was Hopetown. Um, it's on Elbow Key. They have the last remaining um, lighthouse that is kerosene fueled and hand cranked. Left in the wow. it's left in the world, and you can go to the top of that, and the view is spectacular from up there. Um, and it's just a neat little town with lots of restaurants, and and uh, it's a big key. So if you can rent a um, Golf cart. golf cart and go um, explore the whole key. So, and you can take your dinghy to different places there uh, as well. So those are kind of some of the highlights of the, of the um, ports that we visit, but we visited a lot of, of the other keys by anchor. So. Well, then let's talk about that. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Scott. I was just going to say Hopetown. We, we ended up in Hopetown for a week due to wind.
winds. We were on a mooring ball and really not a bad place to be stuck for a week. There's, there's enough <laughs> to do and explore and, and water taxis from there you can take to see other keys and that sort of thing. Well, and you mentioned a mooring ball. Uh, do most loopers or most cruisers for that matter in the Bahamas take a mooring ball or do some anchor? Are there a lot of marinas that people can choose to tie up at? What's, what's kind of the, the way things work there? There's all different. Uh, there, there are lots of marinas. Um, it, places like Hopetown, some of the small harbors do have mooring balls. Um, and a lot of people do take that, take up a mooring ball. The anchorages that are near those towns aren't as nice, uh, aren't as well protected. Um, but there are well, good protected anchorages throughout the, the, the Keys. Mm -hmm. I think we found a mix of both that the um, loopers did both anchoring and mooring balls, or all three anchoring mooring balls and marinas. And um, in our opinion, you should do a mix of both. Um, mm -hmm. Many people don't like to anchor, and boy, if you don't, you're going to miss some of the best part, not the best parts, but you're going to miss a piece of the Bahamas that um that is really spectacular right and of course you two did probably more anchoring than most on your great loop and, and presented at our uh, fall rendezvous on the best things there at anchor and it was one of the the best sessions i think at the rendezvous got great reviews on that so of course you're very comfortable with anchoring um and what goes along with that in terms of dinging ashore um is the Bahamas different from the U.S. parts of the Great Loop in that, you know, it's very dinghy friendly or there, you see lots of people having to dinghy ashore, so therefore lots of dinghy docks and is everything very accessible even if you're at anchor or on a mooring ball? Yes, very. Probably more so than in the U.S. Mm -hmm. There's such a, a large cruising community over there that they do accommodate um, dinghies and people anchoring out, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Many, many little towns will have a, a large dinghy dock um, and, and they'll be, it'll be filled with them too deep mm -hmm. sometimes because, because that's just what it is. But the other thing is, is on the um, maybe uninhabited islands or the islands, the keys that don't have towns on them, they've all got beautiful little beaches to pull up on. So mm -hmm. you just pull your dinghy up on the beach and go explore. Yeah. So give us kind of a slice of life for a looper that has found themselves in the Bahamas for some time in the winter. Um, you know, let's say if you are at, at anchor or on a mooring ball, um, what's a typical day like? Uh, is it snorkeling, fishing, visiting? What did you two like to do while you were there? Well, cool drinks, sunshine, and sandy beaches pretty much uh, sums it up. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds ideal. <laughs> Some of the, um, when you're near one of the little towns, it's interesting that on uh, VHF channel 68, there's in the morning, there's a community broadcast. And so you kind of can get a feel for what the weather's going to be. They give um, restaurants special things to do. Um, they will give you a fishing report and they also have an open, open mic. So somebody might come on and say, Hey, I'm chartering a boat. Does anybody want to join in with me? So that part of it we thought was very interesting. And, but there are, there is so much to do there. There are, uh, charter boats to go fishing, or you can just drop a something shiny off the back of your boat and you'll catch something. Um, snorkeling, diving, there's charters. You can do a lot of the snorkeling or diving. You're on your own. There's lots of little um, 
places where you can either anchor and then take uh, your dinghy to a mooring ball or just um, take an anchor and drop it in on a reef and um, and go snorkeling. So that was a fun thing we really liked to do. Um, there's lots of little restaurants and things like that. Um, there's just endless places to explore. There's beaches and snorkeling and um, blue holes. We found a blue, even found a blue hole. So um, just I, we really enjoyed the exploration of just dropping on a ski and walking around. You'll find little um, trails and all kinds of fun things. Mm-hmm. You mentioned a few food and beverage establishments already. Are there any that you haven't mentioned or any of them that you did that you would say are just, you know, must see not to be missed while you're there? Well, there's, there's going to be the popular ones, you know, Cracker Peas and Nippers and Pete's Pub. Um, those are, those are like three that everybody knows, kind of is going to know about or hear about when they're there. Um, and uh, are very popular, unique little places. And but we also found some other ones like Wine Down Sip Sip in Hopetown was this neat little place, and you got a feel for the local color there. And um, there was also a place uh, in Hopetown called Jack's, and it's this very small um, pink building that uh, is a bar and restaurant and. On Monday nights, you can go play bingo. And I'm telling you what, that place is packed. (laughs) But the great thing is it's a community um, fundraiser. All the money from that goes, doesn't go to the restaurant. It all goes to the local schools. So participating in some of that is really helpful for the little towns along the way. Uh, Absolutely. There's tons of them to go to. And, and with all that to do and all the sunshine and sand and, and playing in the water, at some point, you probably are going to have to come back to the U.S. Um, there's probably no amount of time you can recommend spending because it's probably going to vary for everybody. And it's it's probably the answer is probably as much as you can. Um, but you spent how long there? We spent we were in a uh, little over five weeks. We're into our sixth week. But when we decided it was time to time to head back I you know, a month is not too long. Uh, mm-hmm. And remember, we were, we were only in the Abacos. There's the right. Lutherans, the Exumas, uh, and there's so much more to explore that we didn't even touch on. Okay. So I think it depends upon if you how much time you choose to spend, like in the Keys. If you want a month or two in the Keys, you would probably have less time in the Bahamas. But um, but there is plenty to do to spend. I would say a month is the minimum. And uh, eight weeks would not be too long just for the Abacos. Wow. So at some point when you do decide it's time to come home or you have to come home back to the U.S. and and, or if you're Canadian heading back towards Canada, um, when you're heading back to the U.S., um, and you probably can only answer this from the perspective for Americans, but when you're checking back into the U.S., what is that process like? Um, It's it's. Fairly easy. There's uh, it depends on if you belong to one of the frequent um, traveler programs. Um, again, go to uh, it's CBP Charlie Bravo Papa dot gov. That's the Customs Border Protection, mm-hmm. um, and that's where you'll find uh, a lot of information for that. There's a, a decal that boats over. 
30, I believe it's over 30 foot are supposed to have, and it's 2750 um, per year. It is an annual decal that you can, you, know, you have to renew. It's good for going in and out of Canada also. I've heard that if you don't have the decal when you come back, they just charge you for it, and then eventually, you know, you get it in the mail. Um, but just to keep things smooth and clean, I would apply for that prior to leaving for the Bahamas. Um, how did you check in? Because I know that the CPB Roamap, I believe, is now the preferred method, but I'm not sure if that was already launched when you came back. That was not, and I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I wanted to make sure we brought that up, that it does seem to be the preferred method currently, both for down there and for uh, coming back from Canada. Mm-hmm. We, we just used the uh, uh, small vessel call center, uh, mm-hmm. 800 number I can give to you if you want. There's actually two numbers. Um, and that's a 24-hour-a-day uh, number that you can call. And if you're required to do a face-to-face check-in, they'll give you the nearest location to where you're, where you're checking in. And remember, uh, the, the captain's the only one supposed to go on shore, even on the dock, um, prior to checking in. So was it any different, Scott, than when you checked back in from going to Canada? Uh, it was because when we checked in from Canada, there was a Customs Border Protection uh, office right at the marina we checked in at at Drummond Island. Mm-hmm. Um, it, here it was not. We called the 800 number. They gave us a check-in number and told me to report. We, we checked in at what? Fort Pierce, I believe it was, and we had to go to the airport. Okay. Yeah. With, with our passports. At that point, um, you know, other people can get off, and she, uh, Karen, had to actually go with me to the airport with our passports. And then it was only about a five-minute, ten-minute check-in process. They looked at our passports and wrote some things down, and we were checked in. Yes, and I, I've heard frequently about the airport trip, and it's not that big of a deal. But the the CPB Rome app apparently has made that whole process a lot easier, and they still can request that you report face to face. But for those of you still planning that, and and that is also the procedure coming back from Canada. So Scott mentioned checking in at Drummond Island, which had been kind of the standard uh, for many years. Um, There's actually no longer a physical agent there at Drummond Island. There's an iPad if you don't already have the app, (laughs) Um, but the app is the preferred method. So uh, definitely recommend you download that before you head into Canada or to the Bahamas. And you can pre-populate it with all of your document information, your passport numbers, your boat documentation. And then when you check in, it's a pretty simple process. So um, Scott and Karen, anything we've missed? Any last thoughts? You know, something that we haven't talked about that you really would like other loopers to know about the Bahamas? Probably just that the the Bahamas were either number one or number two on our favorite places on the entire loop. Mm-hmm. Well, well, the trip. Definitely well, worth no, the trip. Yeah. Well, now we have to ask what the other number one or number two is. I would say uh, Georgian Bay, North Channel, up in Canada. Very nice. So your top two. Excellent. Well, Scott and Karen, thank you so much for joining me today. That was great information about the Bahamas, and you're certainly making those of us who are still planning long for being in the Bahamas. (laughs) Um, And and those loopers are headed that way, I'm sure, are going to appreciate that information. So thanks so much for sharing it. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, and to our listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising. Uh